0: It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown challenge, it's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown challenge, it's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie challenge. That's right. It's the unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown What movie. we gonna unknown watch. Unknown challenge, it's the unknown What movie. we gonna watch. Unknown challenge, it's the unknown What we gonna watch. That's right. It's, it's the, the unknown unknown movie challenge. challenge. Ready for battle. Hello, good evening, morning, afternoon, night world, and welcome to the Slumgullion, America's only podcast. I am Jeff, three hours behind me is Scott, and today we're hanging with Mrs. C. So, Dana Gould, how you doing?
1: <laughs> we're doing good. Wasn't that a ABC sitcom? <laughs>
2: That was hanging with Mr. Cooper, but I think uh, Jeff updated it for the new millennium with a reference to Dana Gold's show Hanging with Dr. Z, in which he plays Dr. Zaius from Planet of the Apes as sort of like an old school tumbler, you know, the kind of old showbiz warhorse who would show up and, and tell really musty stories on the Merv Griffin show. I have this. Oh yeah, you need you need to
0: check out Hanging with Dr. Z. That's why. Like I said, now we have Hanging with Mrs. C. So, next time we got to get a video of you in ape mask. I'm just saying. I'd like to
2: see it. There's a lot of ha- Okay. Well, rule 34 raises its <laughs> ugly head. I mean, it, anyway. I am not here to kink shame, but jeez. So There's some kink shaming. Anyway, today while we are Jeff, hanging with, you have with to me-
1: wait till Scott is gone before you talk about stuff like that.
0: Oh, understood. Uh, Okay, I'm for our spin-off show. That'll be the spin-off. So, (laughs) while we are hanging with Mrs. C today, we have a couple of films that uh, we want to discuss that we've all watched recently. However, the one, this has been out for a while, and pretty much everybody has talked about it. So, I'm going to make this nice and easy. Scott, Mrs. C, and we'll start with Mrs. C. Because you are you are the guest, I would like your fascinating and irritating about the Ryan Reynolds comedy free guy.
1: Fascinating! All of a sudden, it turns into a Marvel movie with a Captain America shield and this music. <laughs> <laughs> I just went, ah! I'm so excited. Irritating. Huh? Wow. Um. <laughs> Irritating. I, I don't know I would call it irritating. It was more, it made me kind of uncomfortable where Ryan Reynolds' best friend, the, the security guard, starts fondling the dude's pecs. So I got, I just, that made me uncomfortable. But, the, that,
2: but this that is one, why, I, this is why it's a great, big, wonderful world because the thing that made you uncomfortable was probably the thing that numerous people are watching on a loop. <laughs>
0: As you I said, can. Rule Thirty Four. Rule
2: Thirty Four, exactly.
0: <gasps> Scott.
2: Yeah, uh, I got a problem. I think, and I understand you're just trying to mix things up and keep our relationship fresh. Appreciate it, but uh, sometimes I don't discover my fascinating or my irritating until we're done with the discussion. Usually, our conversation <laughs> about it kind of brings that out and clarifies it for me. So it's a little. This is this is kind of like what we used to call cold stretching. In martial arts, if you were at a tournament or you were training or you were sparring, you had to warm up before you started to stretch. Otherwise, it was just painful as hell and didn't really do much. So this is this is kind of a cold stretch for me. But I will say that my irritating is hard to find because I saw it in the theater. And as soon as it came on, whatever it was, HBO Max or Disney, whenever we saw it, I wanted Mary to, to watch it as well because I knew she would enjoy it. Fascinating for me is how far Sean Levy has come in his career. Because the first time I ever saw him, he was playing the sort of rapey, incredibly smug Canadian teen who runs over the title character in Zombie Nightmare. Oh, shit. He was the the killer teen. Oh, wow. So I thought, wait a minute. What? No, No, this can't be the same guy I looked at. Well, if you look at a picture of him, you can tell. It absolutely is. Yeah, he's aged gracefully. Um, have that mullet? No, he no he has doffed the mullet. As I said, he aged gracefully. If he was still wearing the mullet, he'd yeah. be he'd be Kid Rock. <laughs> so I, I went back and looked at his IMDb, and there's some pretty good stuff. I mean, he I think he he worked on thirty something early on in his career. He was uh, an executive producer on Stranger Things, and he's directed some decent films. I mean, he's also directed the *Night at the Museum* films, so nobody's perfect. But there's the old F. Scott Fitzgerald remark: "There are no second acts in American life." Well, maybe it's because he's Canadian, so he's not bound by that. But he's he's having a pretty good he's having a pretty good second act, which I found interesting and and kind of inspirational. Irritating? I really wasn't irritated about the film at all. I got a little irritated when I thought they were going to prosecute a romance between Jodie Comer's character and Ryan Reynolds, and they didn't. That was just a red herring to to keep the two characters who were going to fall in love apart till the end of the movie. So So we have one of those classic standing in the middle of the street, somehow not getting run over while having their first kiss. That's a classic right up there with running to a gate at the airport. Before someone gets on a plane, <laughs> which you can't do anymore because you get shot. So they've got to now it's risking getting run over by a car. Yeah, that's about it. My ir- my irritation factor was unmeasurably low, which, as you know, for me is incredibly rare. I guess because I went into the movie expecting nothing. I just need to get out of the house that day. And when I saw it, I, I was unexpectedly charmed.
0: Yeah, I I admit when I had seen the ads for it, my first thought was, oh, Ryan Reynolds is playing the same character yet again. Joy. But that was sort of an irritating thing for me, but then I was like, all right, this is a film where this type of performance works perfectly.
2: Well, you're absolutely right about that. I do know one thing that irritated Mary until she realized that it wasn't true. She seemed irked through part of the movie because it, it reminded her... Too vividly of the Lego Movie. It's just, okay.
0: Okay.
1: I thought it was just gonna be a nice Movie, but live action.
2: Yeah, and uh, it didn't. It it became its own thing. But yes, they are treading that same ground. There's no question. But hell, I mean, but if you think, want to, if you want to talk about human beings interacting with video game characters, I mean, you're gonna to have to go back to Tron. Do we have to? No, we don't. Which is why I wish we wouldn't make this comparison, because I don't wanna. But you just made the comparison. Was that, you who don't want that? I, I didn't make it in earnest. It was a warning of oh, where this oh, would okay. lead. Okay, okay, I'm frightened now. Uh, then my work here is done.
0: So does that mean does that mean that Taika Watiti was was sort of the MCP of a uh, free
2: guy? Yes. Well, if you ever think of two actors who are very very similar, the two that always come to mind are David Warner and Taika Waititi.
0: <laughs>
2: Hard to tell them apart.
0: David Warner is Hitler.
1: <laughs> I have to say at the when he's destroying the servers and she runs in there I'm like, "He has an axe. Run away." <laughs> he's crazy, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Make a deal.
0: He's not Monty like, Hall." Yeah. <laughs> if this had if this had a darker rating, that scene could have gone way different.
2: It really could. But you know what was interesting is that there is a certain mindset. Again, th- this goes back to when I was teaching karate. And there was a kid that I connected with because he was very sullen. Uh, he was withdrawn. I don't want to say sullen. He was not purposely rude, but he didn't want to be there. His mother wanted him to get out of his room because he was playing A lot of video games Uh. so he got a note I go just think of it as a video game except you can actually get punched and it will hurt (laughs) I thought that might either turn him off or intrigue him as it turned out it kind of intrigued him because it was a new experience and you know nobody gets unless you're unless you're an idiot like I am nobody gets hurt in class but he did get punched a few times in sparring and it was it was quite a surprise yeah, it, the, the fact that it hurt Because he's been getting punched and shot And thrown off buildings and blown up For quite a while With no visible ill effects So when I saw that I go Oh you spent all your time in front of a computer screen You've forgotten about Real world cause and effect yeah. So that actually Rang true for me I And I was worried for her. not Not that I thought As you said the, the rating would not support An axe murder in the third act <laughs> It would have been fun, though. Oh sure, when is it not? <laughs>
0: it, would have, it would have
1: evoked. It would have evoked uh, the Shining. Jackets.
2: Well, that that was the thing. I was waiting for a "Here's Johnny," and Tycho did not go there. Can't can't tell if I'm disappointed or whether I respect that. <laughs> yeah.
0: But here's my here's my uh, irritating thing, and this sums up perfectly. We're getting more movies.
2: <laughs> That's right. They they announced a, a sequel, didn't they?
0: They want to do movies, not just movie. They've announced the sequel, but the plan is to make it like an, one of those long-standing. It's officially an IP.
2: Well, part of me is appalled by that. And part of me hopes that it's such a successful IP that somewhere down the line, another movie rips it off. It's like, <laughs> it's like at the end of it, suddenly a, 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 a free guy character pops up in the third act just for laughs. Oh, jeez.
0: I I was surprised by how much I liked the movie. It's actually, like, my second favorite Ryan Reynolds film, right Under the Voices. Have
2: you seen The Voices? No. I know what you're talking about. I I wanted to see it, but I don't know. There was something about it that just said, don't.
0: Probably for you, that was a wise idea. Because
2: you know how I am with horror and things like that. I mean... I probably would go watch the voices before I'd watch that movie with him in a coffin for the whole run.
0: Well, here's the thing the difference between this and the The voices, though, is at least funny.- mm-hmm. That's the thing. The voices does have a sense of humor, because even though he is talking to his dog and cat who are telling him to commit murder, you know he is actually still basically playing the Ryan Reynolds character. Right. The one in the coffin, he's actually acting, and it's dark and depressing. And yeah, it, you wouldn't enjoy that one at all. <laughs> but I mean, just for performances and for weirdness, I did. I absolutely adore, adore the voices. But I know I was genuinely surprised by how much I enjoyed Free Guy. I mean, like, this is a great one shot. This is a one and done. I like this. Oh, wait, we have more coming, motherfucker.
2: Yeah, it was a little too successful.
0: Which which, which which kind of saddens me, but I'm like, hey, I get it. I understand it. But still, it would have been nice if that were just one thing you could revisit every couple of years and go, this is a great, fun movie. <laughs> so I got to ask, just for shits and giggles, just because I'm in, I'm in one of those moods, if you were going to rate it on, on a 5 scale, not a 10 scale, but on a 5 scale, how would you rate Free Guy?
2: Well, it's no Detective Pikachu. What is <laughs> Well, Detective Pikachu. If you say so. <laughs> Don't pretend you didn't see it.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't see it. I'm going to actively deny that I saw it.
2: It's probably wise. Sadly, I, I cannot do the same. Uh, why would I rate this as a round? Well, it's... Hmm.
1: I, I think I'd give it a four.
2: Okay.
0: Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Because I'm thinking... I'm thinking, okay, did it make me laugh? Yes. Did I care about the characters? Yes. Was it suspenseful at all? Yes. Did I think it had a happy ending? Yes. So I would check those four boxes.
2: Yeah.
1: It would be a five. It would be, I don't know. I don't know what the fifth box would be. <laughs> did it have a musical interlude?
2: <laughs> that, that would have lowered it in my estimation. Unless they brought in a special guest choreographer, David Winters.
0: Oh, God, no, we are From... not doing Dance and It's On.
2: <laughs> well, that's the reason I have not gone back and rewatched the original West Side Story. Because he's in it, and having seen what he becomes in Dance and It's On, it's just too sad.
0: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's kind of scary.
2: It's very oh, scary. Man. It's like the sort of physical change that you usually only see in a movie when a character has been hideously scarred or deformed and is living in an abandoned movie studio or something and plotting revenge. That's usually when they come out looking like that.
1: What role did he play in West Side Story again?
2: I believe he played A-Rab, didn't he? I
0: think it was A-Rab. I think it was A-Rab, yes. Yeah. As I like to very, very meanly say, but I don't care, it still makes me laugh, he Kilmered hard.
2: (laughs) Yes, he put on more than a kilo of Kilmer. (laughs)
0: Flashbacks, <laughs> bags gotta love them now i freely admit and it was that was a nice segue by the way there scott okay. um the reason why i kind of uh fast-forwarded through Free guys. As I said, it's been out for forever. But but um, B or 2 or beta, there is another film that just came out that I'm much more interested in talking about. Now, um, as some of you may know, earlier, I believe it was early, uh, late last year, Steven Spielberg's um, remake of uh, West Side Story was released to the world, and absolutely nobody saw it in the theaters. me. I think there were a few more of us, but not very many. Well, it has officially come on to the streaming services, so everybody is starting to watch it now, and some people are complaining that Steven Spielberg should not direct musicals or action movies, but we'll get to that in a second. But um, I really wanted to talk about this movie. I told you guys it was on it. You want. Now, before we get into the um, Spielberg's film i would like to hear honestly i want to know about your guys's relationship with the original real fast for me um i honestly am not that big of a fan of west side story i've seen it on stage a few times i've seen the movie of course a lot and my biggest problem well one of my problems with it, at least for me is the, the opening sequence always just made me laugh Seeing them do jazz hands down in the streets of New York, it just totally did not work for me at all. I'm one of those people that feels like, you know, musicals should be in their own, be in a certain world for musicals to work. And the original West Side Story felt like it took place in the real world, so the musical numbers felt off. It always felt weird to me. It was a weird musical to me. I like some of the songs. I, th- I think America is one of the most amazing film sequences of musicals of that period. I fucking love America. There are some great performances. But all in all, West Side Story is kind of meh for me, or at least the original up until Spielberg's Mississippi.
1: The thing is, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen the original movie. I've never seen it on stage. And I okay. don't think I've ever seen the original movie all the way through ever. I like I've always come in late and kind of stayed for oh I gotta see America, you say, or oh I gotta see Officer Krupke. Those okay. were like my two. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't really an aficionado. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure who directed it.
2: <laughs> Robert wise.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Well there Well
0: he sort
2: of. <laughs> yeah, as I've heard He co-directed that the way Frank Miller co-directed... Sin City. Sin City. Thank you. In other words, he didn't. But uh, what I always heard was that Jerome Robbins got the credit because so much of his original staging was imported. I mean, the choreography is all his. And a fair amount of the story is told through choreography. So I think that was probably fair. but, But Robert Wise directed it for the most part. I don't think I've ever seen it on stage... Okay. I can't remember if I had the cast album. I, I was a theater nerd, so I had had quite a few. I might have. But I do remember that when I was a teenager, pretty much every time it played at the Balboa Cinema, our local revival house, which was probably twice a year, I would go see it. I really did like it for all its flaws. And its flaws, <laughs> to a large extent, are due to casting. Yes. Uh, it's hard for me to be thrilled by some of the musical numbers when you know the actors are being dubbed and the actors themselves are not known for singing or dancing like Natalie Wood or Richard Beamer. Those two are just black holes. I love Natalie Wood a lot, but I dislike her in this film. Well, she's just weak. I don't dislike her. I I feel bad for her. Rita Moreno.
0: Rita Moreno was not a fan either.
2: Well, I yeah I feel really? I feel bad for Rita
0: I li- I quite literally just finished before we started recording I just finished a uh, documentary that TCM did that was about the 60th anniversary mm-hmm. and it had Rita moreno um Michael Shakiras and oh god I can't think of his name um
2: you mean George Shakiras Samplin.
0: Yes, George Shakira, sorry. George Shakira's Russ Tamblyn and Rita Moreno. And oh, yeah, no, Rita Moreno did not hold back on in in this interview about her, how she felt about certain aspects of the
2: original film. Well, I mean, uh, Natalie Wood's dead. What's she going to do about it?
0: I'm, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. it was also interesting hearing all of them talk about the love-hate relationship with Jerome Robbins. That was very interesting.
2: Oh, do tell. I haven't heard about this.
0: Oh, no, basically all three of them were like, uh, yeah, Jerome, according to them, Robbins did, was directing the musical numbers for the film. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, he was directing the musical numbers, and Robert Wise was kind of like stay. He was directing everything else and standing back and being the grandfather because Jerome Robbins had never directed a film before. Apparently, he wanted he was he was they wanted he wanted to direct the whole film himself, but at least as according to this documentary, the studio was like you've never done this before. We need to get somebody to like help you.
2: Help you. Ha, get Robert Wise to help you. Exactly.
0: Jeez. But yeah, apparently they were all like, you know, Jerome Robbins was brilliant, but he was also a perfectionist and he could be a total dick to dancers. All three of them talked about No, he was a great guy, but there was always a but when it came talking to Jerome Robbins. And apparently, according to Richard B, and he says on in the documentary that Robbins actually got fired from the film. Oh. Interesting. I, again, I, this is the first I heard about it was today watching this interview. So I was like, okay, that's that's really interesting. Hmm. i have to look for that. It's the special feature for the new West Side Story on HBO Max.
2: Oh, okay. We've already got it. There's, right. a,
0: there's a section
2: for extras.
0: And if you go there, it's, a, it's a about 22-minute interview with, with the three of them. I would so, say- yeah, if you want some context for the original, I do highly recommend the interview because it is very,
2: very, very interesting. But I should finish my thought.
0: I'm sorry,
2: I have, my apologies. No, 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 it's fine. So as I said, I would go see it frequently. I, I knew the movie pretty well back then. And I knew where to expect the unexpected laughs. One of them comes right in the beginning where they start doing their tombays and their twirls and they start jazz handing down Amsterdam Avenue or wherever they were. It, it's fine. You have to acclimate to musicals. Some, some musicals ease you into it really well. Some just drop you into the deep end. That's sort of what happens with West Side Story. It's fine. Go ahead and laugh at it. You'll, you'll get used to it. You, you'll forget how weird this is if you get swept up in the movie. Another one that always gets unintended laughs was, boy, boy, crazy boy. And oddly enough, I don't think the movie would get that reaction in front of a theater audience in, in the Spielberg version because there were subtle changes made to it. So it's a lot less beatnicky and ridiculous. I liked the original musical, seen it literally countless times. I I couldn't tell you how many. To my mind, the the score, for the most part, with, with a couple of exceptions, is pretty bulletproof. It's an amazing Broadway score with incredible Sondheim lyrics. So I was excited to see the new one, but not excited enough to go to a theater during COVID.
0: Understood completely. Now, that being said... I really do want to start with the person who didn't know the show that well, Mrs. C. What did you think of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story? I loved it.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. It was a movie and you're like, okay, this is a movie, but it felt theatrical at the same time. And I mean, from all of it, it was just, it was just wonderful. And Rita Moreno loved turning. And, and see, that's the thing. I can't remember who played the owner of and In- Tony's employer in the movie, Ned Glass. Uh, the original movie, because I don't remember that was
2: it. Ned Glass. It was uh, guy. Well, yeah, it, 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 he's um, he was a, a a character actor, always seemed to be old. He usually played older New Yorkie Jewish guys. In fact, he was, you know, he, was he was he was the super New Yorkie grandfather in Bridget Loves Bernie. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
0: there's a deep cut scott well done
2: thank you so he was playing basically a jewish candy store owner in a neighborhood that has changed demographically and he was trying to hang on and they kind of continue that thing here because doc the character is dead in tony kushner's script and rita moreno who was his wife has inherited it and is again trying to hang on even though in the exterior shots of the candy store, you can see half the block has been knocked down in preparation for Lincoln Towers and Lincoln Center.
1: By the way, I just want to say I love that whole opening sequence where you're seeing just the destruction of a neighborhood.
0: And and um, coming on off of that as well, that opening dance scene works so much better for me in this version.
2: Why do you think that is?
0: Maybe it's because of the the run downness. Of, of New York and that it didn't there was something about the streets of New York in this movie that look otherworldly it doesn't look it's real but it's not quite real something it's, like that's kind of off it's, so the it dancing seemed... worked I mean as soon as they started doing their little you know the jazz hand that plays down the street I'm like I should be laughing at this why am I I'm into this why am I into this
2: well the interesting thing is I've seen photographs taken behind the scenes of the original production and you can see the the actors from that version basically doing bar exercises against a, a wrought iron fence outside of a brownstone and stretching and getting ready to, to do the number. They were actually on the streets of New York. When you see that bird's eye view of the neighborhood, which mimics the opening of the original film. Right. That's all CGI. Mm-hmm. And when you get down to street level, it's it's. Some of it's real, but a lot of it is a stage and a lot of it is CGI. So when you said it's otherworldly, which I think only helps musicals, because as, yes. as you point out, the, the more realistic they are, the more they clash with the otherworldly conventions of musicals. In the original when like when you're a jet, they're on the streets. They're they're around that playground and in an alley. Mm-hmm. They're they're not on a stage. Here it almost doesn't matter because the film is saying whether you believe this is real or not, doesn't matter because the world we're showing you is gone. It's vanished. Yes. It's almost like a ghost of the city of New York, and they are just souls wandering through it.
0: Well, really I have
2: a, well said, there, Scott. No, thank
1: you. I have a question because I because what I remember of the original version and the Jets, they were just walking in the middle of the street, and I don't remember other people being around were there just background extras walking around yes gawking okay i don't remember that (laughs) i I thought they were just on an empty street and no
0: no that was one of the things that was one of the things i mean there were the extras, but there were still people in the streets and again that was sort of one of the things that took me out of that opening scene Mm -hmm. i was i always just wanted to go Hey, Errol, what are them kids doing over there? They dancing. Let's get a shotgun. That'll learn them. You know, I just I wanted to see. Well, that
1: would be in Oklahoma, maybe. <laughs>
0: exactly. Okay, I used the wrong accent, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but there is something about this, this, this whole film. I mean, and talking about the people, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this version of America. Holy shit, this version of America bringing the street people into the dancing. When the kids started dancing, I lost my shit.
2: Yeah, suddenly it's a flash mob.
0: That's what I said. But that was fucking <laughs> awesome, though. That's right, you did. how oh, they get that together back then?
2: <laughs> no cell no phones, no YouTube. <laughs> but I liked when the Jets
1: were going down like the sidewalks and people were like, oh, pulling their kids away. Because these guys obviously are psychotic mm-hmm. and don't care. So get out of their way. So that was interesting I thought. I don't remember that really from the original.
2: Another thing about <laughs> about the casting is even though it's essentially the same story, the the scripts are fairly different. Very a lot of, different. A lot of the same lines, but uh, but a lot that were not. And a, not a lot of a things lot of the, hmm?
0: I was going to say not a lot of the same lines. I actually rewatched both movies to prepare for this.
2: Mhm. Okay. I
0: watched the original and I rewatch and the these wow, I'm shocked actual not really shocked and happy I should say at how different the, the the scripts actually are.
2: Well, then it it's it was a smooth enough transition that I didn't really notice, but now that I think about it, I I'm trying to remember the last time I sat, sat down and watched all of the 61 version maybe 30 years since I've seen the whole thing. So. Okay. But there's something about the the first one, and part of it is because they retain so much of Jerome Rowland's staging. Mm-hmm. That is, if you're pardon the expression, rather stagey. I mean, you cast Russ Tamblin and you're going to get some gymnastics. It's just the thing that he did.
0: Real fast, real fast. Scott, I apologize, but I got to throw this in since you brought this up. Russ Tamblin told a story about that in the uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. According to him, Russ Tamlin, or uh, Jerome Robbins, came up to him early on and said, you know, I've seen a lot of your movies. I've seen this, I've seen that. You do a lot of uh, jumping around and uh, special Very things in your dancing. And he was like, yes. And Jerome Robbins said, there's going to be none of that in this. You mm-hmm. prepared for that. No, there's going to be none of that in this. And it was only after, quote-unquote, follow the story that Rob- the Robbins... Um, <sighs> was fired from the movie. His replacement was the one I told Tamlin to put in the jumps and all the, the acrobatics. That was not in it originally. Had to throw that in there since you brought that up. My apologies, Scott, go on.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've seen Russ Tamlin in say Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, you're, oh, cool. ex- you're expecting some tumbling at the very least. And in, in When You're a Jet, I mean, he gets up, basically d- does a gymnastics routine on a bar. Yep. Which is fun to watch. I mean, he's always fun to watch, but it's he's a very different riff. His riff had a certain joie de vivre.
1: A panache.
2: He had a panache. And as much as he was worried about where the world was going, he still had this, this joyousness to him. And the riff in the current one is beaten down and seems like he knows he's going to die in fact he he says at one point born to, born to die young baby mm-hmm. he 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 walks through the movie dances through the movie sings through the movie with this sense of doom and it's not just that i know what happens to him because i've seen the previous film it's that he he seems to know what's going to happen to him and it made the the film a much different experience because the theatricality of it made his death easier to take in the original one, it's it was it was very much you know a little Shakespearean stage combat. Oh, you hath stabbed me with thine dirk! I I I die now. And then they you know do a, an elaborate swoon on the stage, and then somebody somebody comes down front and has a soliloquy. This first of all that it was set in in the warehouse where they keep the, the rock salt that they spray on the streets yep. when, after a snowstorm. Was already kind of weird and eerie, and again otherworldly.
1: If you get cut, oh my god!
2: That's the first thing I thought of. What a horrible (laughs) place to have a knife fight. Any, I mean, that would be. I mean, a paper cut would reduce (laughs) me to tears in that place. But his death had a lot more impact because it was a tragic death. He walked into it. He invited it. He didn't want it, but couldn't avoid it because of who he was. So I, there was no sense of tragic dimension in the original. It was just it was just a show. And this reminds you that West Side Story is not a musical comedy. It's a musical tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It basically, you know, gives Carousel side eye and calls it a pussy.
1: <laughs> I think um, whoever played Riff in this one.
2: He's a Broadway actor. I don't. Uh, Mike oh, Feist, I think his name oh,
1: it's... Fantastic, and I I was very struck by when he basically he does walk into Barna, uh, Bernardo's knife, Oof. and he doesn't stumble, that he just kind of steps back and he looks at Tony and he's like, no, it's all right, it's all right, and he goes, pull it out of me.
0: Yep. Yeah. That,
1: that kind of killed me a little bit. It was just like he said, I just don't want this in me. When I I'm die. gonna die, it's okay. Please just get this out of me
2: which which is which as everybody knows is the last thing you do yeah. with a knife wound now and you leave it in you get him to the hospital but he didn't want to die with his enemy's weapon in his guts and he he played it in this very interesting way because when he says it's you know i'm all right or it's all right yeah. you, you you don't know whether he's saying no i'm not i'm okay it's not that bad it, it looks worse than it is or yeah, no, I'm getting out of this shithole. It's fine. I'm not going to jail. I'm just leaving the planet. And and it's hard to tell which he means, which I think was perfectly deliberate and a and a kind of a brilliant choice by the actor or or maybe it was Spielberg's direction. Although I don't equate Spielberg's direction with translating into brilliant performances. I think the camera gives the best performance in any Spielberg movie, frankly. Yeah.
0: The thing that surprised me most about this version, and um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll just say, I, 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 I'm with you, Mrs. C, I fucking love this movie, this is my favorite version, I've seen it, the story mm-hmm. better than I've seen it on stage, I fucking love this film, for what, many reasons, but the one in particular, this is the first time that I've had any sort of emotional connection to this movie, or yes. this story. Even on stage, I just thought, okay, this was good, some great music. This movie got me emotionally invested, and part of it, which is, I think, one of the brilliant things that Spielberg did, was reworking a few of the songs and giving them to different people and putting them in different places. Like, putting I Feel Pretty right before Maria finds out that Bernardo's dead. Mm Mm-hmm. That was fucking brilliant. Having Rita Moreno singing There's a Place for Us, that was fucking brilliant. I mean, in the original There's a Place for Us, just another, you know, Tony and Maria love song. In this, it's something completely different.
2: It's a dirge. It's I a dirge. Yeah, exactly.
0: It, it, I mean, I was I was shocked how emotionally invested I was in a story that I've seen so many times.
2: I was...
1: I was sobbing you know I think I I don't and I remember seeing the Tony's death scene in the the first one I remember that and and it didn't affect me maybe because I didn't see the whole movie but when you know he's saying you know Chino come out get me kill me kill me too and he turns around and he sees Maria running to him and you Mm -hmm. can just see this just that his face just oh my god you're alive and then he gets boom 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 he gets shot And then you see, you know, Maria's, so it's like, it's, it's interesting because his face goes from utter despair and mourning to joy and hers goes from joy to utter despair and mourning. I mean, it's it's like, oh
0: my God, I'm starting to tear up now just thinking about (laughs) it. And talking about the new script, the thing that utterly, that got me that I cannot believe how it hit me was in that same scene, her going, I can kill now because I hate now. Mm-hmm. that I hate now. That was just... That, that kicked me in my non-functioning testicles. I was <laughs> stunned by that particular moment. And again, by, by the acting. And, and I will say it, especially since I watched the films back-to-back, my biggest problem with the film when I saw it in the theaters was Ansel Elgort. Was not a big fan of his Tony at all. After watching the two films back to back, I'm I, 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 this is I'm not, this isn't even slamming the door, but just watching Elgort's performance again. I don't think he was. I don't think he was bad. I just think everybody else was so much better. If that makes sense. Well, I think I don't think he was bad. I really, but he. I just. I didn't get. I didn't have. I just didn't have. Everybody else just blew me out of the water, and he, I thought, was like, okay, he's there. That's basically what it boils down to.
2: <laughs> I felt differently about it. Now, I know, I know there's some controversy about him. I, I don't know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. I, I'm sure it's ugly, and I, I have not in, investigated it. There's no need. Okay. Um, yeah, there's no need. But I walked into going, oh, so the guy who hardly said anything at all in Baby Driver is going to be the lead. He had a terrific voice. He danced very credibly. And I believed him more as a, as a street kid than I ever did Richard Beamer, who... <laughs> yes, I will give. I, I totally give you that. I mean, Richard Beamer just looked like he was just waiting for, to get cast in uh, Twin Peaks.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I, I mean, I could honestly say, like I said, I don't think he was bad. I just think everybody else was better. And we've all seen shows like... I mean, we've all been to the theater and seen shows like that. Sure.
1: And the thing is, if if the rest of the cast hadn't been as brilliant as they were, then you, he might have been just exceptionally bad. I think when you have a great co-star, you have an ensemble that it, that lifts... You know, all good things lifts everything.
2: <laughs> well, I, speak, speaking of the rest of the cast, I mean, Rachel Zegler, who I don't think has been in a film, at least not in a sizable role... Owned the the screen whenever she was on, unless she was on screen with Ariana Du Bois, then it was yeah. that then it was a different matter.
0: Her, oh my God, a boy like that! Wow. Yeah, her Anita wasn't that
2: great. Her Anita did did not in any way efface the memory of Rita Moreno, but she didn't need to because she was her own character entirely. Yes. And when you look at her range, I mean, how she is in this, how she was playing the. Edwardian-era schoolmarm in Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. (laughs) And how she... Wait, what? Oh, yeah. She's in Schmigadoon. She plays... That's her.
0: Oh, my God. Amazing, huh? Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) I have even more respect for her now.
2: And she played the closeted cheerleader in the musical Prom. Okay. And she was kind of heartbreaking in that. Very different character. So... This woman has a a tremendous amount of range and her dancing and singing was phenomenal. And I think that the the cast was amazing. I mean, one thing Spielberg can do is cast. Mm -hmm. Another thing he could do is manipulate the hell out of your emotions. And when Mary was, as she said it to, to me at the time, ugly crying at several points in the movie... Not even the end. You were because you knew it was coming. You were you were crying when just things were foreshadowed. Yeah, it's emotional. It it reminded me of an interview I read with Melissa Matheson, who was the screenwriter for E.T. around the time it came out, maybe a a few years later. And she was talking about the experience of working with him. Sometimes, when you're the writer, you work closely with the director. Sometimes they don't care. They just take the script and then they go on their own thing. And, you know, you sit in your trailer. But she said he would sit down with her and they would go page by page, moment by moment, line by line. And he would say things like he wouldn't he wouldn't feed her lines. He wouldn't pitch her ideas. He would just say, okay, And he's voicing the audience. He goes right here. They want to be scared here. They need a little laugh to release that tension here. They want to think it's going to be okay so he would just pinpoint the the places that you would apply the emotional clamp and squeeze. And it made me think about his films. His films are not deep psychologically, but he pays very close attention to what he wants you feeling at every moment, which a lot of directors don't. They're, they're thinking of the movie in, in other terms. And he has a lot of tools in his toolbox to bring the bear on this question. So he can't really squeeze your emotions when he wants to. And he squeezed the fuck out of him in this film. Good God. Um,
0: and I, for, again, for me, part of it was the, um, the way certain changes were made. Like I said, I mean, when Rita Moreno starts singing, There's a Place for Us. Mm-hmm. That told, again, knowing the show, I'm like, this is completely different. Everything about this, holy shit! That song, that song never did anything to me before. I didn't care about that song at all. I'm not a big love song person, but in this, in the context of this film, it hit me.
1: I just, I think that song could have meant so, it had so many meanings. She could have been singing about her life with her husband Doc. Mm-hmm. There's a place for us. Uh, she could have been singing about being a Puerto Rican newcomer. To America, there's a place mm-hmm. for us. There's just so much meaning, and, and oh. ah. Well,
2: that's a good point because as Jeff said it, it, in the original version, it's it's just another love song between yeah. Tony and Maria, which wasn't really necessary. I actually wouldn't have cared if they cut it because "One Hand, One Heart," which I don't like as a song. Right. I just it's one of those things where you know if I if I had the CD, I would skip that track every time. Yep, yep. But they did something different that instead of being in the dress shop, I think is in the original version, they're in the, the cloisters. He takes yes. her uptown and they're in this nunnery looking environment with the stained glass, very, very church-like and, and do the whole, you know, Romeo and Juliet secret marriage. And that scene worked for me for the first time because of the way they said it, because of the way they played it. There's a place for us really wasn't even necessary for their story. I, I was already, I was on board with their love story. Right. I, I, I was shipping them, yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right. The, the changes that were made should have been irritating, but what? Like,
0: weren't. for instance, Cool. Cool is one of the songs that I would always skip on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I have never liked Cool. I never liked its place in the show. I never liked the way it was acted. I hate where it is in the movie. I fucking love what they did in this film it's a completely new context i mean new singer everything and i mean the fact that it's over you no! Know, i like how the choreography turns into like an actual fight mm-hmm. it starts yeah. off being choreographed by the end they are kind of actually hitting each other i was like i can't believe it spielberg you actually made me like a song the one song that i hated in this show well done <laughs> well,
1: scott weren't you saying that uh Gotta
2: rock, rock oh it yeah in your so was one
1: of the laugh
2: lines. yeah Mary and I were talking about this and and you brought it up too that when you would when you would see it in, in the theater there were there were unintended laugh moments like I mentioned one of which always got a laugh at the Balbo cinema was gotta rocket in your pocket <laughs> keep coolly cool boy. And it just right. it, its laughs it's, okay fine it, you know I mean, there's sometimes when I would go see old movies generally not at Revival houses because you get similar cineast weirdos like me. But every once in a while, you'd see an older movie and people would laugh at stuff that you just go, hey, that made sense at the time. Just get over yourself. But you got a rocket in your pocket. That's a laugh. And you got to accept that. Right. But here, they eased into the song differently. he He's holding up the gun, which mm-hmm. it, it has so much weight in this movie because it's the only damn gun. It's weird to see a movie nowadays where... There's a gun shortage. Usually, we're up to our nostrils in them. And when Tony's holding that gun up and says, got a rocket in your pocket, basically saying, so this makes you feel like a big man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different context. It's a different intention. It's a
0: different song. It's a different it's a, song.
2: Exactly. Even though it's the same lyrics. It's a completely different song now. Because of, of the staging. Just like they took anybody's who's a problematic character, the tomboy who wants to be in the gang, who is just sort of a hanger-on and barely tolerated, as uh, the writer Roya Drosso said, uh, she's she's basically coded as trans in this version, which works really well. I mean, there was a little of that ugliness. Hey, I pantsed her once and, you know. Yeah. She's a girl. I mean, okay, the, immediately you, there's a whole universe of unpleasant possibilities occasioned by that line, none of which you need to pursue to their logical conclusion. It's just, okay, yeah, 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 I get it. And why does she want to be in this gang so badly when they treat her like shit? Well, because I'm sure everyone else treats her worse. At least they allow her to be around. Other people are just, what is this freak? And I'm sure we're trying to go, no, wear a dress, do this, that. But it reminded me of the Boys Don't Cry, I think, the, the Brandon Tina story. Oh, yes, yes. And th- there's a lot of that, unfortunately, very sadly. And what really hit me was when um, Anita comes into the candy store. And anybody who has who is as mad as anybody about Riff's death says to her, get out. Because she knows what's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, oh, okay. Well, that says a lot about your life. And and the fact that Rita Moreno says, I've known you since you were babies and you all grew up to be a bunch of rapists. She actually <laughs> says rapists. She was great. Yes. Yes. Sometimes... Films that are classics should just be left alone, because oftentimes trying to remake them, update them with better special effects or better acting or or, or acting that's more in tune with the modern fashion is fine, is okay, is not okay. It just it it's, But this is an example of doing it well and taking a property that still has intrinsic value and making it resonate. For a modern audience, I mean, the, the most of the people who've seen this, I would hazard, weren't born when the original film was made. Me, yeah. I, I for once I, I can say me. <laughs> I yeah. I, I think I was I was one I was one probably. So, I mean, even then, it was sort of it was a, a part of the reason I liked it, the original one was because it was a glimpse at a New York that that had vanished before I ever got a chance to see it. Right. Um, here, it's not a matter of nostalgia. It's just. The, the whole film is a tragedy from what's happening to the neighborhood, to the people who live there, to what mm-hmm. they're doing to each other, to what they're doing to themselves. And Tony and Maria are just the, the physical human embodiment of the destruction and despair all around them. And I remember Urban Renewal. And I, I lived in one of the last neighborhoods that was subjected to it in Manhattan. I, I lived on, uh, in Alphabet City in the 80s. When everyone was expecting the big money to start showing up and doing basically to the east, the lower east side, what was done to the west side in the 50s and the 60s. Slum removal, urban renewal. And the slum lords who owned the crappy buildings we lived in, the first summer I lived there, were burning them down every night. There was a fire in one of these buildings every single night. I was awakened. I could almost time it. Somewhere between two and three thirty in the morning, there would be a screaming fire truck going up Avenue C, and that's because they go. Hey, it's easier to sell the land than it is to, you know, to, to sell. sell the building. Well, you, if you've got a building, you may have residents, and residents complicate things because there there were some laws protecting renters in New York at the time. So that that's another reason this version really resonated for me because there were parts of the. I mean, I lived on. Avenue C, between Tenth and Eleventh Street. Eleventh Street looked like it had been bombed. It looked like East Berlin. There's a lot of buildings that had just burned and then collapsed, and they were just uh, they were just a mountain of bricks, or or they were you know half half fallen apart. They were boarded up. the cinder blocks in the windows and the doors. It just it all it had this this post war despair. I mean, I I was like twenty. 21, 22, first time I saw all that. And I, I just, I, I would sometimes think, what would it be like to have grown up here? And not that much fun. Especially if you look at, the, watch this movie. Less, less singing and dancing, but an equivalent amount of despair.
0: Something else that I got to throw out just as a, wow, I can't believe they did this. And I loved it. Unsubtitled Spanish.
2: Mm-hmm. quite a bit of it yeah i so- loved that
0: yeah. some i picked up not a lot <laughs> so i i, like, oh, I man, didn't was- pick up any of it and i was fine with that there was something about not then what they were saying at all that made me kind of it fit the vibe of the movie i think mm-hmm. again a, a very specific a very specific choice and I, I did i just oh my god i could go on about this movie. I was stunned by, I mean, as someone who's, like I said, not a big fan of West Side Story as a whole, I'm blown away by how much I loved this film. But the, the biggest thing for me, and um, the last thing that I'm gonna say, and since we already did a uh, fascinating, irritating, I think we'll just go around with like a final thoughts on the film kind of thing. Um, Cause there really isn't much irritating about this film, as far as I'm concerned, but, um, the other thing that I absolutely love, is as I said, America was my favorite thing in the original West Side Story. Just the choreography, the energy, everything about that made me happy. And the entire time, Now, granted, after the scene at the dance, I was like, "Okay, visually, Spielberg's going to nail it," but I had no idea how I was going to feel watching it. And as soon as the music started and she's standing out, you know, out the window, and then the other people in the building join in, and I'm like, "Okay, this is going to be everybody, not just the boys and the girls on the roof. This is going to be fun." The dancing in the street. I'm not going to say he topped the original, but he matched my, oh, fuck yeah, let's get this. I mean, when that, when that final, yeah, da, 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 when the music smells, when everybody's dancing, I was just as into it as I was when I saw the original West Side Story. Difference being, I actually liked this movie.
1: <laughs>
0: I think the costuming but, really helps with that, too. I think- oh, God, yeah. The, the, again, the use of color or the use of lack of color in some scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I I said it. I remember seeing Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. I remember seeing that back in the day. No, no, there's. I'm I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. I remember after the um, Anything Goes opening.
2: All right. You know,
0: with uh, I remember thinking I really I like to see Spielberg do a full blown musical. It okay. took everybody forever. Everybody said that. So everybody what? was saying
1: that. that was, okay. Everybody was saying that.
0: They were like. And, what? And, 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 it took a, it took a couple of decades, but we got a fucking good one. Uh, final thoughts: throw them out randomly, willy-nilly, go to town.
1: Okay, me uh, I will say this: I mean, I've I've gone to theatrical shows and I've cried. My sister took me to see Ragtime. Oh God! I was like, man, well, I don't know if I want to see this. And at you know, at intermission, right after the day of Pride, or I forget what the song is. It's after uh, Sarah. Is beaten mm-hmm. by police, mm-hmm. and my sister. You know, lights are coming up. My sister's like, "Are you are you liking?" And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yes." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "I have to get the soundtrack." I ugly cried, like Scott said. I ugly cried at moments during it, but the the end. I don't think I have ugly cried like that since the last time. Not the last time, but the very first time I've actually, I actually saw. The entire Wrath of Khan. Oh God! In a movie theater. Okay. I am like, you know, he gets better. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I mean, I have people worried about me. You know, he does come back. I, 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 get, I get very emotional.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because I had a sim. I was, I was just sobbing my eyes out at the. End of the first act of Martin Gare, but not because okay. I liked it. <laughs> that was for a totally different reason. Because yeah. that, because there was another act coming.
0: Yeah. it
2: was awful. Oh dear God!
0: I heard That's some funny. of the sa- I heard some of the soundtrack to Martin Gare, and I'll
2: leave it at that. Mm. There you go. i you,
1: if you've heard Les Mis, you heard Martin Gare.
2: You've heard Martin Gare. <laughs> if if you've heard Les Mis, you've heard the stuff that didn't make the cut. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, we're not talking bad musical
2: look. <laughs> All right. No, we're not. The, the thing that really struck me about this was, it's funny. It It wasn't the point, but it was a theme. How a gun changes everything.
0: Huh. <laughs>
2: There's one gun in the movie, and it's not easy to get, and riff- has that scene in the bar with some old Irish bartender and some black dude, the Irish bartender knew his dad, and they're, they're, you know how to use a gun? Yeah, 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 sure. And he's bullshitting. They know he's bullshitting. Mm -hmm. And he just wants to buy the gun. Now, him buying the gun, of course, kind of sets everything in motion. I mean, uh, uh, Tony and Maria are blaming themselves because they think their love has split the, both their groups and that's and brought them into conflict. But it's the gun that really causes the biggest tragedy. And and the fact that, that it's hard, that they're hard to get, that it's rare, that the fact that, you know, they, they say, uh, Chino's running around, he's got Riff's gun. Like there's only one in the city. Mm-hmm. And that's all they have to worry about. It, it reminded me that, yeah, there was a time when, when there weren't, You know, massive numbers of shootings every day, and there weren't mass shootings every day, and like, wow, (laughs) just the fact that you know, guns were hard to come. I mean, that's why that's why, teen hoodlums would snap off, uh, car aerials, and and make zip guns out of them because the aerials were were the proper diameter for a twenty-two caliber Mm -hmm. bullet, so. Just reminded me of wh- of where we are now and how things used to be different. And it's like, they, they could be different again, but they're not going to be.
1: I was, you know, while we were talking and you and Scott, you were talking about the the uh, gentrification going on while you were living there. And I was going, gee, I wonder if they could place West Side Story in a different time period. And I realized just now, mm-hmm. no, they couldn't because guns have been too easy to get, you know, since the 80s. So you can't, no, you couldn't do it. (laughs) So thank you for that.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, going on what you said about about the gun, um, as I was watching that when he buys the gun,
2: Hmm.
0: it was weird. I started thinking of another Sondheim show. Assassins? Yes. And all you have to do is pull your little, that's all I could think of during that scene. And yeah, the gun song just popped into my head And I'm like, okay This is this is kind of creepy <laughs> But yeah it, it, it's Folks, this is just We don't say this very often I think we can all agree on this Just something else we don't say very often This is a great piece of movie making, folks <laughs> Just all over This is a phenomenal piece of filmmaking If you haven't seen it It's on HBO Max, you know, you can go watch it and then join the stupid arguments over on Twitter. Oh, are there (laughs)
1: stupid arguments on Twitter?
0: I don't even want shop. it. Oh yeah, Spielberg can't direct blah, 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 this. Uh, it's just all, it's the usual crap to like, come, come visit my webpage so I can make money on my Patreon or my YouTube views and it's just annoying as fuck. Seriously, this is just a great movie. You know, even if you don't like musicals, this is a great drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can watch a great drama with you. And who knows, you might actually like a lot of the songs. because This is a, it's a great score. I actually like the score now better with this version than I have before. Just just check it out. How often do you hear, this is a phenomenal movie from a lot of people. <laughs> just go see it. I will and totally you can see it at see home. It watch the movie. Hmm? I will totally see it
1: again, even though it destroyed me. <laughs> Emotionally. But it felt really good. I told Scott
2: afterward, I was like, you know. You said it, it felt cathartic, was, oh, wow, which baggage, is, you know, the, one, one of the primary purposes of art. It felt,
0: it felt cathartic. Thank you. And on that beautiful note, Mrs. C, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it has been the most exquisite pleasure. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I, I, lo- I miss being on it as much.
0: Well, we can. We we should. We, we gotta. We gotta fix that. We gotta fix that.
1: Anyway. Gotta see movies. I want to see. That's the thing <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Or you okay. could fix yourself. <laughs> maybe we'll. Maybe maybe we'll fix that. <laughs>
2: maybe maybe go outside your comfort zone and see some movies. You know, you because you, you, you're a little judgmental about films before you've ever seen them. I don't want to see that. Sometimes you're right, but sometimes
1: like the new Batman. <laughs> Batman <laughs> the
0: Morris years. no 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 not at all (laughs) uh i am jeff three hours behind me is mrs c and scott and we'll see you later so until then later i am so glad you guys like that movie oh god yeah i was
1: i was going is that a crane shot they're doing scott's like no this is cgi i'm like oh my god (laughs) it's wonderful